Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find several speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs of these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Jen. Hi, I'm Jen, compulsive reader and bulimic. I have never been at this meeting when there were no birthdays or no chip takers, ever. It's going to be like a long time. So <laughs> I apologize in advance. And there are people in this room who have heard my story many, many times. Um, I wish I could change it. But this is my one story that God gave me. Um, I guess I'll have time for more um, details, though. So maybe there will be something of note. Um, just to get the sort of facts out of the way, I came into the rooms in July of 2006, and I started my counting my abstinence in September of 2006 when I got my sponsor. I, um, my abstinence is no binging and no purging, and I, my food, food has changed a lot over, over the almost nine years that I've, that I've been here. Um, I vacillated between sort of, I guess, six sizes throughout my life um, and I've been the same size and within a like three to five pound range the entire time I've been here with the exception of my two pregnancies which were a little bit of a um, uptick obviously so my story I guess started I grew up in a very uh, loving alcoholic home I had really a lot of love from my parents but we were really dysfunctional and um I had a lot of very loving extended family members who were, many of whom were alcoholic. And that was, you know, like like I said, there was a lot of love in my home. But I just sort of came into the world with this hole. And um, my solution from the time I was really tiny was to fill that with food. And it, I mean, it was, I was young. I, I was really young. I don't remember a time where food didn't work for me. Um, I remember being at little kid parties. There was this place called Farrell's in Portland where I grew up. And there'd be these ice cream parties. And we would go into, like, there would be a time where everybody stops and goes and has ice cream. And um, that would be sort of a short period of time and nobody would finish their ice cream except for me. And then people would leave and go on to the next activity. And I would stay in the room and finish other people's ice cream. And even then it was like... It was, I mean, I thought I was, like, sneaking. I was, like, getting away with it. But it it didn't really feel good physically or emotionally, even at that young age. And I was also, I had a very, you know, I have a little boy now who struggles. He's, like, not on the growth chart. He's teeny, teeny, tiny. And I had that, those genes. So I could eat a lot. And it would not, you know, manifest, at least, you know, when I was young. So they would say I had a tapeworm and, you know, all sorts of things. And people would kind of be horrified by the way I ate. But in my family, it really only mattered what you looked like on the outside. And as long as you looked good and you kept yourself together, it was, was, everything was going to be okay. That was sort of the message I got growing up. Like, you know, as long, like, don't tell secrets and keep it together. Um, And it's about outside achievements, sort of. So I was pretty messed up with food from the very beginning. Um, And it, 
you know, continued and continued. I remember um, in high school, my whole brain revolved around lunch planning and this giant chocolate chip cookie that they sold at my high school. And it was like the thing I looked forward to, you know. Um, throughout my classes, it would be like, and sometimes I would have this dialogue that this is a dialogue I got used to for years and years. But am I going to have the cookie? Am I not going to have the cookie? Maybe I shouldn't have the cookie. Maybe I should have two cookies, you know. And um, God, I must have had, you know, like 700 of those cookies over the time. Well, probably more. I'm kidding myself. But, um, you know, I was athletic and I did a lot of sports. And, Again, it, it kind of didn't show. Um, towards the end of high school, I started doing some crazy stuff with, like, I remember graduating from high school and getting sick and losing all this weight and loving it. I was like, this is amazing. Um, and I would start to, it would start to show a little bit. Like, the weight would start to stick to me a little bit, and so I would try to... Um, under eat and I was I, tr- I tried very hard to be anorexic and um, it did not work for me I was not good at it I could do a diet for you know really well for three weeks and I would drop tons of weight and then I would do one thing wrong and I would take one extra bite and then I was like zero to 60 you know the other direction and then I would get lost in um, food for some time and that cycle really started at that point, like at the end of high school, um, with the whole up and down and back and forth and all over the place. And I'm a super well-rounded compulsive overeater. I did everything that I have ever heard about in these rooms. I did every diet I've ever heard of. Um, I compulsively over-exercised. I I picked up bulimia in college, but I did, um, I really did it all. And so anyway, that but I remember like some crazy, crazy dieting starting in in high school. When I got by the time I got to college, um, there was this whole uh, alcohol induced throwing up thing that like really was a big wake up for me. And I thought this is it. Like I can I can get rid of the food. You know, this is like a whole new solution. And my journey with bulimia was like the thing that really stuck in terms of like I would come back and go to other things. And the one thing I want to say to anybody who's new or newer in this in these rooms is there are so many different stories and. At first, I came, and I really had to hear my own exact story, or else I didn't relate. I was like, I can't relate. I don't, you know, and I really quickly learned that everybody spoke my language, and we all had different stories and um, different specific experiences with food. But I remember, like, one of the things that kept me away from these rooms for 10 years was that it was, you know, I didn't I didn't think it applied to me because I was like, well, I'm, you know, bulimic, and I, I don't think that, like, this applies to me, and it was you know, one of those things that kept me away. There are lots and lots of experiences. So in college, I picked up um, I picked up bulimia, and that, you know, ebbed and flowed. Um, and, and then that, it just continued for, I would say, for the next, what was it, 10 years. And I also could fill my hole with um, love for like 10 minutes so if I would start dating someone I would get distracted it would like fill that hole I would have a reprieve um, and the food would kind of lift and then it wouldn't work and I would need to go back to the food 
and um, you know, I was I was real like when I was dieting, I think I was really insane. I was rude and I was impatient. I was irritable, and when I was in the food, I was. I hated myself, and I didn't want to go anywhere, but I was more calm. And I think underneath a lot of it was like this was super massive anxiety that I, you know, experienced in my family as a little, little kid that I did not know how to calm. And the food worked for me. It just calmed the storm. Um, it calmed the storm, like all the crap that came with it, the, the hate and the isolation and all that stuff. It was brutal, but it worked for the anxiety, which I just, I struggled with, and I struggled with big time when I got abstinent. I was like, oh my God, I'm anxious, and I really didn't know, because I'd spent so many years controlling my food that I never actually had to deal with that, like, actual anxiety and feelings and, you know, processing that stuff, so that was, you know, a big part of what I did. Um, and I, I focused on, I dove into school because in my family, it looked, was all about what it looked like on the outside. And I had to achieve and get good grades and get a good job and do all this stuff. And what, what happened to me was I got all of that stuff. I got the good job and I got the resume and I got the outward stuff. And I was the sickest, unhappiest, saddest 30-year-old girl that you have met. You know, and I was... Um, you know, before this, during this meeting, my husband goes to a, an AA meeting where there's childcare, and so we drop off the kids. And like, oh, this has happened to me like ten times, where someone will be like, "Oh, where do you go during the meeting?" I'm like, "Oh, I go to an OA meeting." Like, three people said to me, "You don't look like an overeater." Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> you know, I don't really have a response for that one, but. Um, Part of my story was I hid in what looked like a normal body. Because even when I was in my biggest, like I ranged, I went to super low and healthy weights, and I was at high weights for me, but I never, it wasn't like I walked down the street and people always said, that must have been so much better. And for me, it was like I lived with this monster inside, and it was my secret. And I would go into, you know, work, and I feel like God, people think I'm a normal person. They look at me and they think I'm a normal person. They have no idea what I do when I go home. They have no idea. And it was my brutal, horrendous secret. I had many, many, many secrets, which I learned not to tell as a little kid. And coming in here, you know, they, people said, we're as sick as our secrets. And that was one of the most liberating things. Like, the fact that I actually have told people the gross things I did was so amazing and then all the other crap that I learned to kind of suppress so anyway I'm all over the place but there were so I proceeded like I had this career and what happened was like there were so many just really rough rough experiences like you know these girls that I worked with they were really close friends of mine they're still friends of mine um, but our relationships are somewhat different and they wanted to go to Mexico for like a, a weekend or like five days and it was this girls thing and I was excited and we went for the trip and they wanted to go out drinking and meet boys and I couldn't do it. Like, I, we would go out, and then I would say, I had a stomach ache, and I don't feel good, and I would take a cab home, and I would destroy the minibar. And um, they would come back, and I'd be like, yeah, I didn't feel good. I totally got sick. Like, it was so exhausting, the lies I told people. Um, and I did have a lot of, like, digestive food stuff, and I think I would start to not feel good, and I'd be like, screw it. 
I'm just going to go for it. Um, but I, that whole trip, like, they were there for that trip. They experienced it. I was, like, I was completely insane out of my mind, like, in food. And I was an adult at that point. I was, like, what is wrong with me? Like, how can this be my, my life? And then I was in a job, um, and I got, like, the best opportunity from the outside. It was the craziest job I ended up having in my life, but it was the best job from the outside. And people were taking me out to dinners to, like, celebrate this big, exciting thing. And that whole time is such a blur, because I would go out to the dinner, and I was just, I was getting sicker by the minute. You know, I would go out to the dinner, and I would be like, okay, I'm just going to eat enough. I'm going to have, like, fish and a salad, and it's all going to be good. And then I would eat, like, whatever the one bite too much was in my head, like the line you cannot cross. And then I was gone. I was gone, 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 and I would race home, and I would, you know, I would go to, I would try to mix it up with stores. I would hit Ralph's and Vaughn's, and I would go through the aisles, and I would, you know, I would pretend I was on the phone while I was in the cashier lane. I'd be like, yeah, I'm coming. I got I got the ice cream. I got the cookie. I got, oh, yeah, I got that, too. <laughs> For the benefit of the cashier, you know. It was really, really humbling, you know, I was like, this is so sad, because I couldn't stand that she thought that all this stuff was for me, which of course it was, and I would go home, and it was like, I remember, I remember so many brutally painful things, like I remember throwing up, and I remember my heart feeling like it would like pound out of my body, and I was like, this is a serious health problem, like I'm, this is not good for my heart, you know, this is not good for my it was, it was, I was so aware of it, and I remember thinking like, how am I going to have kids, like how am I going to have a normal life? And, you know, when I was in diet mode in that, like, where I would be, like, eating however many 400 calories a day or some ridiculous thing, I would think, what am I going to do when I'm going to eat? Like, how am I going to, how am I going to control my eating? It was 99% of my brain was spent obsessing about my food and my body. Like, you know, what was I going to eat? What was I not going to eat? What was I going to eat tomorrow? What was I going to, like, and... When I would have to go to an event, I was dating a guy when I when I got into the rooms. It was a super dysfunctional relationship that fit my life perfectly. And um, we had to go to uh, some event back east with his family. And, of course, I had to starve myself before we went, obviously, because I had to, like, wear a dress. And, you know, I remember being in such hell, like, before those trips, and I was, like, starving myself, but then I could starve myself, so then I'd throw up, and it was, oh, my God, it was so exhausting. And the thing that I didn't realize was my attempts to control my food um, and my body resulted in a much larger body than abstinence and eating, you know, I had, I wish somebody would have told me like, all the stuff you're doing, you're, like, my, like, my highest weights were actually when I was super into bulimia. It was like I was eating so many calories per day that I couldn't possibly throw up, you know, enough of them. But I just did mess up stuff, and then I'd go to these events, and I'd put on this huge show that I learned in my family how to do properly. And I, I just, the self, like, you know, it was, it was my secret that I lived with. And I dated this guy for four years and did all the stuff with him, and he either didn't notice or didn't care. I'll never really know. And um, what happened for me was I started, my, my brother had been, had massive, still has massive addiction problems. And we had, um, 
what do you call it, an intervention. And I flew to Portland for this intervention, and I don't really remember the weekend because the first night we had this meeting with this therapist who, in retrospect, was horrible. But um, he, my uncle would bring out these plates of cookies and food and whatever, and I remember thinking, like, okay, I'm not going to have any cookies. I'm just not going to do the cookies. And I was like, maybe I'll just have one. And I would have one, and then I'm like, well, obviously I need more, and I wonder if I should take three in one handful if that's less obvious or if I wait 15 minutes like I don't remember hearing anything that we were talking about I was so focused on how I could secretly get these cookies meanwhile nobody was paying attention to me nobody cared about what I was doing and that was kind of like one of the stories of my life like growing up it had been all about my brother and so I was like you know that was that was just he, my mom always felt like he needed more support and more stuff, and I was, I had, you know, I was fine on my own, and so we go through this weekend, which I do not recall. I was in, like, a coma, and I was, like, my body was exhausted from, from all the throwing up that I was doing, and, um, but as part of my speech thing, you make a, I don't know, I, I, I don't know how they're supposed to work, but I said, you know, you talk about, like, what you're willing to do. And I said, I'm willing to look at my issues with food. N- thinking, like, everybody was going to be like, oh, my God, what is she talking about? <laughs> like, nothing, no response, no follow-up, no questions, nada. I was like, okay, sweet. So um, that was the first time I remember thinking I was telling people that I had a problem, and except nobody noticed. And um, then I got really into yoga. And that was something that was like a total escape for me, but it kind of calmed that anxiety. It was like my first experience with another thing other than food that could calm that like anxious, crazy. And I ended up, um, my boyfriend at the time, when his parents would come to town, he wanted me not to be there because they liked to spend one-on-one time with him very dysfunctional but we lived together so obviously I needed to leave for the weekend and um, you know I just didn't know like how to be in a normal relationship and so I went to a yoga retreat and the guy who was starting the retreat started off talking about how he'd been sober 22 years I'd never met a sober person in my life I was like sober like you don't you what I didn't even get it and um so there was all these program people, like tons of people, sober people, people in Allen. Like it was just this whole program thing. Nobody asked me what I did. Not once during the whole weekend. It was like, you know, and I started to, I felt seen as a human being. Like for the first time in my life, I was like glowing from the light of all these people in program. I didn't realize that. So um, I, I asked my yoga instructor, I was like, so how did you get sober? I, I need to get my brother sober. Um, He's like, uh, honey, you need to go to Al-Anon. And um, I was like, are they going to show me how to get him sober? And he's like, you need to go to Al-Anon. Um, and then they, my husband also, my now husband, not my husband at the time, but he happened to be on this retreat, and he happened to be a sober person. And so there was all these program people, so I went to Al-Anon meeting, um, and then this woman who had known me for all of 10 days took me to dinner and said, honey, I think you might need to go to OA. And I was like, how did this person I've known for 10 days, like, see me when people I've known my entire 30 years of life never thought to, you know, 
And it was like, I do. Yeah, I really do. And so that like, started my, my journey in these rooms. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, I have to live like, you know, oh, my gosh, I still have so much time. Um, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of things like up and downs in life, but my life changed forever when I came in these rooms, forever. It was like I came in here and I listened, and I thought it was a little weird. I mean, I didn't fully hear in the beginning. It was like, this is just, but I heard my story, and I heard my feelings. Like, I heard all these people telling my feelings, and um, it was amazing. It was really, really amazing. Um, I was pretty, I was really desperate when I came in. I was, I, I had all the stuff I was supposed to get, you know, like I had checked off every box and that this is how you're happy, and it did not work. And so I had to um, kind of redo everything, and within the first six months of program, everything changed. Like, I lost my job. Uh, I... <laughs> The guy I was dating flipped out when I started coming to rooms, and he was like, this is not okay. He was crazy controlling and probably probably verbally, mentally abusive in some way, but he flipped out. He was like, you can't go. I won't let you. I was like, all right, a problem. And um, so that made it really easy, actually. It made it really easy because if he had been, you know. So that relationship ended quickly. My job vanished. And uh, I was all of a sudden, you know, it was like all the things that defined me had been taken away. And it was amazing. Like, it was amazing. I was, um, I stayed with friends. Like, I didn't have any, I didn't have any income. And I went to meetings and I worked my steps. And I had started to develop a relationship with God and with you guys and realized that none of the stuff that I had gotten mattered in my life. And um, it was a wild experience. Like, I highly recommend falling apart in these rooms. It, uh, you know, I was one of those people who kept it together, like, or at least appeared to keep it together, and I fell apart big time. And uh, I was so taken care of by so many people. It was why I'd never met so many people. Like, the fact that I could come in here and you guys, for free, wanted to talk to me on the phone and help me, like, that was not what I experienced in any other part of my life. Um, Just that, you know, experience of, like, God and love and acceptance, you know, no matter what, you're going to be okay, was... It was humbling and beautiful, and I've experienced it all the years that I've stayed here. All the years I've stayed here, including to tonight. A very sweet fellow told me that I couldn't say anything God didn't want me to. And, you know, my experience in these rooms has been that I hear the thing I need to hear when I need to hear it. Um, sometimes I'm not ready, and, you know, sometimes I am. So when I got into program, I very I was so desperate. I, I heard my story. I got a sponsor. I started working the steps. I'm so grateful I was desperate. I feel like one thing that's really hard is if you're not really at the bottom, it, it can be hard. I was at the bottom. I was so out of ideas and so out of solutions. I was, uh, you know, I had tried to do a lot of things, and they hadn't worked. So when I came in, I started working with a sponsor, and 
I didn't realize it, but initially, I think I kind of used it to restrict and diet. I was like, okay, three meals a day, that's cool. They're going to be three teeny tiny little meals, and it's going to be the exact same thing, and it was cool. And then I went to a meeting, and I heard this woman share about um, using the program to restrict. And I'm like, crap. And the thing I love about these rooms is, you know, nobody tells you. Like, she didn't come up to me and be like, look, what you're doing is crap. But her sharing her experience, I got to hear that was what I was doing. And having been a super control person, like, I never experienced a hamburger. I would never experience pizza. Like, there were certain things, like, I would never have eaten. And for that time in program, like, I got to, the early time, I got to let food in. And it was really scary. That was one of the most terrifying things I have ever done. So I had three meals a day. They had a beginning, a middle, and an end. But they were big meals. They were big, big meals. And I actually reached my top weight ever, probably. I was quick getting on the scale, which I learned is not my friend. The scale is not my friend. Um, does not tell me accurate information. Uh, I got my. I was in my biggest body ever. And um, the thing that happened to me was that I realized I was actually a lovable human being and that my body was not mine. You know, that this was, like, given to me. This is given to me by God. This is God's business. My business is to take action and work the steps, but my, my body is God's business. And... Amazing things happened to me in my biggest body. You know, I fell in love with my husband. Like, actually, I would never even, like, let a human being close to me if I wasn't okay with where I was. And um, he saw things differently, you know. So a lot of, like, love and God and all this stuff came into my life in my unacceptable body. And uh, it was messy and uncomfortable and... I remember calling my sponsor every morning, being like, my pants, I have to get another size up, like, my pants are too big, my pants are too big, they're so tight, like, everyone's going to notice. And I was, you know, but I was working the steps, I was coming to meetings, I was telling the truth. And somewhere along the line in my ninth, I was like, in my ninth step, and it was also around nine months in program, my life got so busy, and I got so in the middle of it, the food started to fall away. It just started to fall away. Um, and I also, we took a trip to South America, and um, I do not fault L.A. for any part of my disease because it started long before I ever got here. But I saw, like, women in big, beautiful, normal bodies, and I was like, wow, I don't see any of these, like, rail, you know, people that, that we have, like, this is, this is the body you're supposed to have, you know. And they were beautiful. These women were beautiful. And... Um, so I had that experience. I came back, and I don't. I, I was busy in my life. I was working the steps, and the food started to fall away. I also started to freak out at that point because I started to lose weight, and I was like, "Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god!" It was harder for me to lose weight um, because I was. It, it felt so out of control, and I was like, "I'm just going to gain it back." And then I started trying to control. And my experience with controlling my food is that it gets completely huge when I control it. Um, so that's just what happens. Um, but the food, you know, the food fell away. My life got big. And there have been many illnesses of my mind over the past nine years. But the food has really lifted. Like, the food, I don't think about food, you know. It's so weird that I could have 
spent 30 years of my life obsessing over every meal. And then that could, for the most part, except for small periods of crazy along the way, that could be lifted. That's not sensible or rational. It doesn't make sense. Like, I don't know how this program works. I will never understand how I could have come in here and sat in these chairs and gotten a sponsor and worked the steps and told the truth and the food would go away. It doesn't make sense. It's like two plus two equals four and I can't get the math. Um, but it doesn't matter. Like, it works. It works. And um, it's, it's, I remember right before I got um, into program, I'd been Googling, like, eating disorders and and all the stuff out there was like, you never recover from eating disorders. You have them for the rest of your life. The recovery rate is like zero, especially for anorexics and bulimics. They'll never get better. And um, that's not been my experience. It's not been my experience. So in, you know, in the time that I've been here, um, a lot has happened. I got married um, to an amazing human being who's like the first healthy relationship I was ever in in my life. I only dated dysfunctional people. It was just what I saw. Um, what's wrong? I gave the word. You're good. Um, so I got into a really happy, healthy marriage, like based on the steps and based on program, and we each have a sponsor to speak to before we speak to each other, which is a serious helper. And um, I have two little people who are unbelievable. You know, and I, it's so funny because they've grown up their whole lives with their parents going to meetings. You know, and they have friends who come over like, oh, she's going to a meeting. And the kids are like, what, what kind of meeting? Like, it's so normal for them. You know, it's just a part of the fabric of their lives. I did get crazy during pregnancy. I'm not going to lie about that. That was wow. I got really crazy partially because I gained all my weight in the beginning. It was just how my body did it. So when I went in for like, I was in my first, second trimester and the doctor was like you need to start a food journal I obviously switched doctors after that but she I was like a food journal I was like uh you know she was like you're you're getting too much weight blah 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 and I was so I was eating completely abstinently but I was I was hungry I was eating a lot I was pregnant anyway as it turned out my body gained all the weight in the beginning and then I didn't gain that much in the end and it all turned out fine I did the exact same thing with my second baby but it was hard it was hard for me because I had to take a leap of faith and I needed to eat more food and I was hungry a lot and I couldn't, you know, I am one of those people who feels very safe in, like, the certain things that I like to eat and do. And my husband is an incredible cook, which brings, like, amazing diversity to my life and my food. If it were up to me, I would eat the exact same thing every single day. Like, that's just the way I am. So it was scary, you know, especially the first baby to gain that weight. And be like, oh, my God, this is just and not know what was going to happen with my food and my abstinence. And, you know, I have a five-and-a-half and a three-and-a-half-year-old, and, and, again, I'm in this, the, the same body that I've been in since, like, you know, a year into program. So over the past eight years, I've stayed within basically three pounds. Like, for someone who vacillated, like, you know, 25 pounds this way, 25 pounds that way, to stay in the same weight without controlling my food, without the scale, that's... God. That is my experience with God. Because um, it just, you know, it just doesn't make sense. And, 
Yeah, so the other thing that happens to me when I'm anxious now, like when I'm busy at work and things are a little bit crazy, my head talks like series-wise to me. And it'll happen, you know, I'm anxious. There's a lot of stuff in my life that happens that I don't like. And the one, the thing that makes me really insane is when I'm in resistance to what is, whatever it is. Like when I'm not in acceptance of some fact in my life, I get insane and I get super anxious and... When that happens, almost always I decide that I'm fat. And there's this voice, it's like, you have gained weight. You've definitely gained weight. You've probably gained 10 pounds. You know, my head's just like, you are, you know, and it's so mean. That voice is so freaking mean. And, um, you know, my husband knows that I'm insane in that way. And... Um, you know, periodically, like, you know, when, when one of these things happens, like, I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, it's okay, you know, you're changing, you're getting older, maybe it's hormones, blah, 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 and then I'll get on the scale, and I'll be, like, the exact same weight. My brain is not well. It will never be well, and, you know, when I'm connected with God, my brain doesn't do that to me. When I'm connected to God, my brain does not do that to me. When I am not, my brain gets really wonky. Thank God I haven't done, you know, like the food just, it's, it's between my ears. But, um, you're good. <laughs> I'd be totally cool with that. If it was um, anyway, so I, I, uh, that's, that's my thing now, and it's happened, you know, my sponsor always says, she's like, John, you forget, like, 98% of the time you're good. If 2% of the time you're crazy, that's a seriously good statistic. And especially when you consider when I first came in here, I was 98% of the time insane and 2% of the time well. Um, so I, you know, have had, I feel blessed there have been all sorts of things that have happened in my life that I wish were different. You know, there have been, I wish my brother were sober. I wish that my family were not so broken and in pain. And I wish that, you know, there's a lot of things I wish that were different. But I have been given a life beyond my dreams because of these rooms. And because of the simple steps, like it's so simple. Um, little things like I don't know what to do with my, this situation. There's almost always a simple, ba- a simple answer based on these principles. So um, I think I'm going to end with that. And I guess I still have time, lots of time for questions. So the question is, can I talk a little bit about my conscious contact with God on a daily basis? This has been something that's really evolved over my time in, in program. When I first started, I had like an hour and a half of conscious contact with God. I would, I had like 10 readers and I would read them and I would write in my journal and I was someone who woke up with so much funk. I woke up with like my brain just like dark and I had to dump it all out and I would pray and I would meditate and it was amazing. Um, and I did that for a long time and then I had kids and that time disappeared. I was sleep deprived and exhausted and there was no way I was getting up an hour and a half before them, you know. So it really had to change and then my conscious contact with God became those moments where I've always prayed on my knees, 
you know, morning and night my entire time. But it became different things. It became walks. It became, you know, the time in the car by myself where I could check in with people. Um, it became a lot different. And today, I check in with God a lot. I'm just someone who needs to check in with God a lot. I need help a lot. So it'll be in a stressful moment at work, in a meeting. It'll be, you know, today I couldn't find my kitty. And I am a person who, like, I'm, like, ready for crisis at all times. And so I was like, I can't find my kitty. I was like, okay, God, you got to do this for me. You know, of course, my husband had locked the kitty in the garage, and the kitty was okay. But, you know, I am so funny. It says Ben. Is this me? This is, oh, it's a different thing. I was like, oh, my name, not Ben. Um, <laughs> anyway, so so I have to check in with God a lot. Um, meditation has been such an amazing thing for me when I can do it. It changes my life. I'm still not good at it. Like, I don't like doing things I can't be perfect at. I will never be perfect at meditation. But I have less anxiety and less struggle in a given day when I meditate by 90%. So that's something I really try to incorporate. And we've tried things like teaching, like meditating with a five and a three-year-old, which is we're working on that. It's a little bit challenging. But it changes, you know, and I have to be okay with whatever it looks like in a given day. But I can really tell when I get wonky that I'm not connected enough to God, you know, and that's like when that head, or when I start talking to, I hear myself talking to my husband in a way that I'm not proud of. Um, those are the things where I'm like, all right. So has my abstinence changed from the beginning to now, and what is it? Yes, it has. When I first started, it was no purging because that had to stop. And um, pretty quickly within, I would say, no, maybe when I got to nine months, it became no binging and no purging. Um, My food has changed a lot, and I pretty much eat three meals a day. Uh, Snacks, like, mess with my head. Sometimes they're cool, sometimes they're not. Um, But my, you know, the other thing I guess I'll say is I had to let a lot of food in, and I still today, I don't have rules about what I can and can't eat. I don't do a lot of sugar because it messes with my head, but I don't have rules about it. You know, I don't, there's no foods that I can't have. And the crazy thing is, like, God's plan for my body was way better than my controlled plan for my, you know, it was so crazy. I, I had so many freaking salads before I got in here. You, I could have, I mean, I was constantly starving myself. And in here, like, I eat filling, yummy food that I feel like eating three times a day, and it's all good. So um, my food definitely changes, you know, um, but it's pretty much three meals a day. And... The abstinence, other, you know, went from the no, no purging to the no purging and the no binging. The question is, how did you have willingness to work the steps and, you know, work the steps, I guess, is really what it's about. How are you willing? I was really, really desperate. I was really desperate. I was scared. I was not healthy. Um... Nothing in my life felt right. I was in a super messed up relationship. I was in a super messed up job. I was, I, I, I didn't want to live. I, I was like, I, I was looking forward to nothing in my life. I was so, so desperate that I came in and I was like, all right, let's do this. And um, that's, 
that's just what ha- that was my experience you know I um, pray for willingness I did pray for willingness in the beginning um, but I had it had been a long road and a lot of exhausting stuff and I was just done and I think I mean we're done when we're done it's different for everybody um, but I had hurt myself enough that I was just I was just on, and I'm, I don't know why, I'll never understand it, I'm really freaking grateful, because if, I'm not the kind of person who would ever be willing, like, usually I'm going to do it my way, and I don't really care what you say, this is the only exception in my life, was the, the, the time when I came in, so it was, to me it was God, and I was willing to follow the simple instructions, and do the work. So, questions, can I talk about how my relationships have changed, and how I had to prepare myself to kind of get into healthier relationships. So my relationships have changed totally, completely. It's so wild to me. And a lot of it was just doing the work and just doing the steps and, you know, experiencing the love in these rooms. All the people in my life changed. It was so weird. It was like all of a sudden I was attracted to healthier people. And I have healthier... I just... The people are generally nicer and more supportive, and it's it's crazy town. I mean, every relationship in my you know life when I came in was was pretty jacked up, and I had no idea how to set a boundary or how to choose anything different, and it really just happened by doing the work, being honest, you know, working with my sponsor. It just it just happened, you know. I experienced this unbelievable love, and it was a lot for my fellows, like realizing that I was lovable just the way I was, and that I was I deserved something good. Um, but today, like I have, I work with amazing people. I never worked with amazing people. They're good people. They're nice to me. Um, I'm nice to them. These are not work experiences I had before program. I mean, not work experiences I had. So. You know, it was it was a journey, and it's been... And I still, like, look, if I'm in defects, I'm not someone you want to be around. My husband could give you a lot of things that I could improve on. Um, <laughs> but it's a journey, you know, and it's a process, and I feel like I'm, I'm always going to... Thank God I'm always going to need to be here. You know, today it's not about the food, but it's all the other crap. Like, I don't know how to do life without these rooms and so the road narrows and today it's keeping stuff clean in my relationships you know like that is not okay for me I can't do anything weird in my relationships um and I have all of you guys to keep me accountable so thank you